This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. HPE refreshes the machine. And Google levels up TPU. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, a couple of interesting stories. One is one that we've been able to follow from time to time as we get updates, but we have a new prototype of the machine coming out from HPE. At least we think it's the machine. They're not, are they still calling it the machine? Yeah, occasionally they're they're trying to drive the uh, sort of the branding around memory-driven computing and the memory-driven computer, but it is the machine. It's the it's the thing they started years and years ago that was supposed to be a, a platform for the memristor, which never quite came to pass. But now they've added different technologies, and it's still the machine, just by sort of a different uh, a, a different name and a sort of a different a different emphasis on some of the technologies, but. Yeah, very interesting uh, set of uh, pieces they put into this new one. I think this is going to be the final prototype before they start commercializing uh, some of these technologies. Well, the the point, as you're saying, with the Memristor is to have a a real memory-centric technology because, as you point out excellently in your article on top500.org, with traditional supercomputers that have a big focus on uh, the computational performance, mostly in terms of flops, you can wind up with a lot, a, a big ratio of flops to bytes of memory. And if you need to put a lot of data in memory, which is certain categories of applications, you really want to go the other way and have a high f- bytes to flops ratio, and the machine aims to address that. They've basically got this 40-node machine with 160 terabytes of memory, and that, that memory is shared memory, so it's treated as a single system, so something you'd think like a super version of an, of an old SGI UV system. Right, um, one, one big flat memory space. One, right, one big flat, and that's, uh, you know, they, they're calling it the, uh, you know, the biggest memory computer uh, ever devised, and that that could very well be true as far as a single a single memory space. Uh, even the uh, the SGI-UV systems topped out at 64 terabytes, I believe, and I don't, I don't think anybody's even built anything bigger than that with with any other technology. So this is a huge piece of memory with relatively few nodes and relatively little computed. I mean, they've got in in this case they've they've come out with these uh, Cavium Thunder X2. ARM chips, which have a certain amount of power, but not nearly the amount that you'd find in like a, a supercomputer compared to the, the amount of memory that's going on here. Yeah, that's really interesting to see these Cavium ARM chips. Cavium's been on kind of a roll here uh, with its 64-bit ARM. And really with the machine, what, what you see is this truly is a memory-centric approach. Rather than thinking of memory as a peripheral that you're attaching to a series of processors, I'm going to buy all the processors, then attach the memory. This really looks at the universe another way around. I'm going to buy a big pile of memory and then start attaching processing devices to it to the extent I need to solve my application. Right, and the thing that makes this all work is is basically their fabric that they they're using to connect all these nodes and the the memory. They've got this X1. Um, optical interconnect that they've been developing for years now, and I, it doesn't say if they've developed it further since the last time they, they put together a prototype, but it's a very fast, uh, high-performance interconnect, I think something on the order of 1.2 terabytes per second, and at that speed, it's able to link together these these uh, disparate memory pieces uh, 
to make them behave as if they were a single unit. And that's that's sort of the secret sauce here. And they think they can scale this out to the exabyte sized memory uh, uh, systems uh, if they could ever get the cost of memory down to be something reasonable. But it's uh, they're saying it's technically scalable and it's something that can bring this sort of promise of these huge memory in-memory systems to uh, to the commercial market. Yeah, you were making that point earlier. That from a technology perspective, it it scales to an exabyte of memory. If if only you could afford the you know a couple billion dollars you need to buy all that memory, right? So yeah. really, we need some new memory technology if, if that's going to be feasible. For me, I couldn't help wondering whether there was any SGI influence in this when I first started thinking about it. HPE is is acquired SGI, of course, and SGI is renowned for its large shared memory systems based on its NumaLink interconnect. But really, this is something quite different. And while there might be some innovative thinking from SGI engineers in terms of how to manage a large memory space, I think the actual technology here is different, where it's not a, a distributed shared memory like a NUMA system. This really is the one big flat uh, unified memory space. So th- this really does seem to be native HPE technology in that sense, but uh, can't hurt to have that many uh, people around who are experienced with running big memory application. So one of the big open questions, of course, is when they're going to start constructing the machines uh, for the commercial market. Uh, they haven't really tipped their hand too much. I mean, people were talking about 2018. I, I think they want to get a, a real memory technology in there that can sort of bring down the cost of that memory and and sort of uh, fulfill the promise of a non-volatile uh, sort of universal memory that the Memristor was doing. They're working on a few technologies there, I think, with uh, SanDisk and possibly some other non-volatile technologies, but uh, that's still a work in progress. And I think their, their real eventual hope is to get the Memristor in there, but that seems uh, sort of a far-off project right now, so uh, we're not sure about that. But I, I think they will try and come out with some uh, product in the next uh, you know, year, maybe two years, just to get this thing up and running. Well, the big next thing I'd like to see, if you've got a prototype now, is can you start giving us some elementary benchmarks in your proposed target markets? You know, you've got this big memory architecture. What kinds of applications are you envisioning here? And can you, can you give me some sort of spec on how well you think this is going to perform relative to, to a traditional supercomputer? I, I think they shouldn't be far away from that. If they really have a working prototype, uh, they should be getting pretty close to telling us how well it, they hope it'll perform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a benchmark like with SAP HANA or some of the other popular in-memory applications would certainly be welcome at this point. It'd be interesting to get that, that sort of uh, information out there. All right, Michael. Also this week in HPC, there's a new blog post from a couple of Google luminaries, Jeff Dean and Ur, uh, Urs Herzla, uh, and they've been talking about the Tensor Processor Unit, the TPU. Now, this we we talked a couple weeks ago on this podcast about the idea of the TPU. Then uh, after GTC, we were just talking about NVIDIA's incorporation of Tensor Operations into its uh, Volta platform. But now Google is really taking this a step up with a big expanded role for the TPU. They've got an upgrade and even looking at selling, uh, renting it commercially through their cloud. 
Right. They, they've come up with this uh, second generation TPU. And, and like you said, we just talked about the first generation like uh, six weeks ago when they when Google revealed sort of the inner workings of that. Now, here, this is a new piece of of, of hardware, a new piece of silicon that Google's come up with. So they're not revealing very much about it at this point. I mean, what they did say, it's it's got 180 teraflops of performance, and they didn't really talk about the nature of those flops, but we're assuming now it's it's something akin to what NVIDIA was talking about with its tensor flop. So it's like probably mixed precision 1632-bit uh, floating point. Their, their original TPU, as you'll remember, was, was essentially an integer machine. So this is something right. um, with floating point and expanded... Uh, expanded precision as well because they're going to do training with this TPU, not just inferencing. So they've they've really expanded the scope of what they're doing with the TPU. And like you said, they're also going to make this now available to users as part of their cloud platform. So uh, all of a sudden they're going to be uh, competing with NVIDIA, which of course is selling its its uh, uh, GPUs into the cloud for from various for various providers, including Google, for for instance, and uh, and people that want machine learning flops are going to those clouds and and renting those GPUs. So Google's going to sort of get in that business as well now. Yeah, a lot to talk about with this announcement. You know, first of all, as you were pointing out, going into training and not just inference. I, that's a big expansion of this TPU. It seems to yeah. be the race now to do these uh, TPUs for uh, for AI. That's going to be a huge new market. But for me, the big fascinating thing is the last thing that you mentioned, where now they're going to be competing with their own suppliers, not just NVIDIA. We, you know, NVIDIA is the one we were talking about recently, but also Intel with uh, the Nirvana acquisition. Um, you know, if Google is selling access to these TPUs in their own cloud, now they're potentially drawing development effort off of the NVIDIA processors off of the Intel processors onto their own processors. And that's not inconsiderable, just the fact that you say, okay, it's just in their own cloud. Well, you know, cloud is where a lot of this AI development is going on. Uh, and, right. uh, and and now you're, you really are uh, competing for the development attention with NVIDIA and Intel. I'm interested to see how NVIDIA and Intel will react to one of the cloud providers going into competition with them. Uh, you know, it's one thing if they say they're doing it for their own purposes and it's a build versus buy decision. Okay, fine, we lost that sale, even if it's a huge sale to Google. But right. now you're touching the whole rest of the market, uh, and uh, and I don't know how they're going to react to it. Well, for the time being, I think Google's being somewhat careful. I mean, they're not abandoning uh, Intel or NVIDIA. Like I said, Intel or uh, Google's still going to host uh, NVIDIA GPUs in their cloud. I mean, that has a much larger software ecosystem than the TPU and can support a lot more frameworks and libraries and applications. So it wouldn't even make sense from uh, from a competitive point of view to dump those those GPUs. And certainly it, it still wants to pull in the um, the Intel chips as well. I mean, it's, it's, I mean they're running mostly with uh, Intel CPUs and they even called out the Skylake CPUs that they'll bring in into that they'll be bringing into that cloud. So they're going to play nice with with those providers at least for the time being, but uh, it is going to be a little tricky since both uh, Nvidia with the GPU and then Intel with um, the the Knights Mill and the and the Nirvana 
silicon that's going to come onto the market is going to compete directly with with that uh, with that product. Yeah, when you look at a company that has a, as much buying might as Google has, and they spend billions of dollars a year on IT infrastructure, does uh, even a company like Intel have the might to say, you know, we don't really want to sell to you on those terms if you're going to compete with us on this other area? That's a lot of sales to start to give up. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's it's a really complicated market dynamic here, and a fascinating one that that Google is strong enough in the market that they feel like they can take this step. And I think they're motivated to take this step because I I think they feel the TPU that they've built, especially the second one, gives them such a, such an advantage as far as some of the other cloud providers in uh, producing some of this. Uh, machine learning code and going through the training and the, and the inferencing part that they they want to maintain this. I mean, they talked about um, you know one of their translation models that used to take a full day with uh, some of the GPUs they were using. That now it trains to that same accuracy in an afternoon using uh, just sort of a, a handful of the of the TPUs. Well, a lot of big news this week, Michael. Our listeners can check out top500.org for those and other stories. Cray coming out with a CS Storm uh, AI platform. There's an AMD processor in the news. But that's all we got time to talk about on this edition of This Week in HPC. So uh, check top500.org for more articles. And, uh, Michael, I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. Thanks, Addison. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.